Um, I'd like to take this moment to say that if you don't like filler episodes, this one doesn't like you back. <laughs> this was no filler episode, bruh. It was a short first act to the final trilogy of this season of The Mandalorian. Mm, ah, chef kiss. We get a lot of surprises in this one. And it's cool. They have done such a good job in this show of continually giving you gasp moments where you're like, oh my, oh my God, look at, I absolutely love that. So it continues to impress as per usual. We start out on the Razor Crest. Razor Crest. We'll talk about it later. We start out on the Razor Crest. Din Djarin's still doing the ball trick and having a laugh at Grogu's name. It's it's kind of meta. It's kind of breaking the fourth wall because we're all doing the same thing. Like, I'm not calling him Grogu. I'll call him Baby Yoda. He continues to say his name, watch his reaction, and laugh. It's, it's, a, it's such a dad joke. There's a lot of dad in this the first part of this episode. Um, Din keeps saying that. Uh, Grogu, and then he finally does the ball trick again. He does it. He brings it to him in the force. And then Jaren smacks his knee. Dank Farrick. He's not upset. It's just one of those things. Like, you know, gosh darn it, in that cowboy sort of way. But what's cool, the, the little detail I took from this scene is how baby Yoda, Grogu, reacts. He's starting to mimic his guardian. He drops the ball and he slams his little fist down and it's hilarious because he immediately then John's like, "No, I'm not upset. It's not you. You're you're just special." He starts to lament a bit. He starts to get a little bit melancholy and then he's back to the mission. He's like, "We're going to find you a good place." So, they finally arrive at Tython. They get straight into it. Um in other episodes where he's been given a clue to go someplace. Um, there's a stopover, you know, along the way, a little road trip action. Like, we're going to pick up some gas here before we get here. They get straight to it. This is one of the few episodes where he goes where he's been told to go, boom, immediately. So they arrive on Tython. Is it Tython? Typhon? We don't get to see a lot of the planet. It's uh, kind of dusty, kind of arid. Not quite Tatooine. It reminds me a lot of Jeddah um, in Rogue One. It's a sacred planet. The 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 order, the Jedi Order, was supposedly started there, but it's a holy site. Um, we don't get to see any temples or anything. They go straight for the Seeing Stone at the top of the mountain. I, I love it when he says, "You know, we're gonna have to. We can't land on top. We're gonna have to fly the the rest of the way." Um, with the windows down. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's, again, a dad thing. When my daughter wants the convertible down on the car, I'm a big hero. It's just a dad thing. There is something about this show that is very much, it's not men versus women, that kind of thing, because there are very empowering or empowered women in the show. But this is a real feel good for dads. Um, I'm liking this show as a dad. I, I realized that in this episode. Uh, I'm liking the show as a Star Wars fan, obviously. 
I'm liking this show as a Mandalorian fan, obviously, because the Mandalorians are one of my favorite, if not my favorite, part of the Star Wars franchise. It's never been the Empire or Vader or, you know, the Jedi for me. It's always been the Mandalorians. And, but that added component is watching this guy limp around the gallery. Gal <laughs> the added component of that for me is watching this guy limp around the galaxy with his kid, getting into some scraps, you know, fixing up the car, <laughs> you know, getting a snack here or there. You know, it, it's it's such a dad thing going on. Love it. So anyway, they get to the top of the mountain. Um, Mando is feeling, again, on that dad vibe, you can tell he's feeling kind of helpless and hapless right now. Um, Pedro Pascal is acting his ass off. I'm sorry. Even if we don't get to see his face, and a lot of people are like, oh, that's not him in the costume. Fine. But his voice is conveying everything you need to know. Uh, he puts Grogu on the seeing stone and they're trying to figure out how exactly to get it going. And he's looking, he's like, is there a switch to this thing? He's, you know, Grogu is chasing a or looking at a butterfly. They're, they're kind of this, you know, bumbling duo up on top of this mountain right now. And it's kind of cool. Uh, but then we get... A major reveal. My favorite, absolute favorite ship in all the galaxy shows up on Typhon. Tython. I'm going to keep saying that wrong. Anyway, my absolute favorite ship shows up. <laughs> now, it could be anybody else, right? Because who would have Slave 1? What am I saying? Don't be foolish. We know who it is. Boba Fett has tracked Din Djarin to Typhon, which means he had been tracking him the whole way. Crazy. So, again, Din is kind of like, okay, kid, uh, 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 we got to go. Boom. He gets repelled by the Seeing Stone energy. Now, that brings up another question for me of what's in there? We've seen the Force before, but it's never been a Force field like that. So is there Kyber in there? Is is he repelled because of his Beskar? It, I said it uh, in a couple of posts where I was chatting with some people. Is Beskar the, 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 the universe's answer to Kyber? There must be balance in everything. And Kyber, lightsabers can't immediately cut through Beskar. It repels it quite well. He's being repelled by this force field. Is it because of his Beskar? Interesting. Interesting. We don't really get the answer. He keeps trying, and he keeps getting kicked out. So he's like, oh, okay, kid, uh, I'll help you from out here. Uh, laters. He's such a dad. <laughs> he's just, he's like a like a this dad who dropped his kid off at school and he's like, can I get a hug? And the kid's like, later, dude. And he's like, oh, okay, see you at home. There's this kind of touching goofiness to the fact that this badass cowboy warrior of the galaxy is rendered helpless by this little kid. It's awesome. 
dad energy all over this show, all over this show. So he runs down, and boom, who does he run into? You know it, Fett. Fett is like, hey, yo, run that armor, son. Give me that. And he's like, you're not getting my armor, yo. Step up. What you gonna do? He's like, no, 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 no. Not you. Not yours, new car, best car. I want mine. Oh, okay. Well, Din, like Din does, goes through his rhetoric script. Did you take the creed? You're not wearing your helmet now, so obviously you took your helmet off. I don't know. Are you a Mandalorian? It's so crazy that through this show, it's really interesting for me that through this show, he's meeting those who have had dealings with the Mandalorians or those who are Mandalorians by birth, by blood, um, by culture. But he keeps asking them about this creed. It's, it's a sort of meta moment that keeps coming up that every time he runs into someone who is of the Mandalorian line, of that family tree, whether they be staunch or simply residents of a Mandalorian territory, he is hitting them with rhetoric and they in turn are answering him with life experience. He's finding out what it means to be a true Mandalorian aside from his very staunch and pious view that he was taught by the Watch. That's a really interesting thread for me. And it's fun to watch him learn something by the end of each episode. He actually comes to grips with these people who by his creed would not be pure Mandalorians. Each time he meets one of them, it changes his mind a little bit. I got a feeling that he's coming up out of that helmet soon and, and he will be more Mandalorian for it. If that makes any sense, it's really interesting. Brr. Somebody lost some blaster bolts and he looks up and Boba's like, yeah, I got peoples with me too. And come to find out it was Fennec Shan. Come to find out back on Tatooine in season one, we find that it was indeed the clanking spurs of Boba Fett who saved Fennec Shan. Not only saved Fennec Shan, saved her life, but repaired her body. She's apparently a cyborg now. She's got robot guts. Shocking. Hadn't really seen that. Um, but again, like Luke and like uh, Vader and so many others, getting these cybernetic implants is part of the universe and it saves lives. But who knew that Boba could do that? Did he do it himself? Wow. So, so Boba, maybe got some learning when he was on Camino. Maybe he's more technologically advanced than we know. Um, interesting. And she has a life debt to him, so now they're a bounty hunting pair. Well, just at that moment, another ship interrupts the plot. In comes an Imperial transport. This little spot on this way out 
desolate planet is getting a little too crowded. So Mando's like, we got to bounce. He runs up again to get Grogu. Boom, he gets repelled. That keeps happening. So the battle ensues. Lots of cool stuff is happening. But the real set piece here, kind of like they did Ahsoka in the last episode, in this episode, Boba Fett, it's kind of a triple redemption arc for him, which is really interesting. Boba Fett's a badass. He gets to redeem himself from the original trilogy when he was kind of Benny Hill lampooned into the the Sarlacc pit. You know, like this is the, the, the dopest bounty hunter in the galaxy. And a goof, a pratfall knocked him off and killed him. Boba gets down, okay? He's got his gaffy stick and you see how that might be used. We've never really seen the uh, sand people get busy with their gaffy sticks. But Boba shows you what these things can do and what they're meant for. So he's getting it in. and I mean, he's absolutely wrecking them. <laughs> Tamara Morrison's scowl is a national treasure for New Zealand. <laughs> Every time, these great close-ups of his acid-burned face and his scowl and that anger, that Boba anger that you could see drew inspiration straight from the prequels when we meet Boba as a little boy and he's always frowned up. Like, that was a really cool link that they pulled. That's a little, again, details, details, details. Fennec's getting it in, too. Fennec's a great shot, and she even said that earlier. She's like, and you know I don't miss. Well, she's not missing. They have the high ground. Hello there. But they got some artillery. So that same repeater, that same sort of uh, blaster Gatling gun, and, of course, they don't have the, up, the, the high ground advantage, but they've got heavier artillery, so they're laying it down. And then, and this is something I don't think we've seen in Star Wars. I have not. Um, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but we see a mortar shell. So one of the one of the troopers comes out, and I, he's actually painted like a clone trooper. Somebody tell me if that's a clone trooper, because it certainly looks like one. Which is a cool little link that, to say that like these guys are still sprinkled in throughout the the ranks. They're not completely gone. Also, uh, Boba's a clone. and He doesn't know one of his brothers is right down there shooting at him. That would be a real interesting deep cut. You know, a little uh, homage to Indiana Jones. She uh, kicks the boulder. The mortars loosen up a boulder. Finnick kicks a boulder down and it takes out a bunch of troopers and it takes out the Gatling gun. Um, so these are, it's just real fun action, man. As Boba fights his way down the hill. He looks over his shoulder. There's the Razor Crest. The door is open and he can see his armor. Well, yeah, go get it. So in drops Fett. Boom. Full armor. We got Boba Fett back in action, son. I'm here for it, all right? This is the second part of the redemption arc. So, like I said, there's three Boba Fett redemption arcs going on at once here. Boba is a badass. He's got to get his name and reputation back, both in world and in pop culture. Because 
he's kind of been smeared by not being a badass when we do finally get to see him work in the original trilogy. That's one. Two, he's a Mandalorian. Maybe not by creed, maybe not by name, maybe not by Beskar, because we know that, at least in lore, his armor is Durasteel. And they don't mention that, they don't talk about that in this episode. But Boba's a Mandalorian by culture. He was raised as one. Because his dad, well, we'll get into that. But anyway, that's redemption arc number two. So he drops in. I'm here to, I'm, I'm here for it. Let's do battle. Now we got two Mandalorians. We got three bounty hunters. And they're laying it down. Okay? They're doing the thing. They're doing the damn thing. And I'm here for it. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. Man, this is exciting. In a, in a short episode, I, it was so exciting. I, but it also made it so that I was able to watch it three times before even doing this. They get to the bottom of the, the mountain. They, they've, they've won the day, at least with these stormtroopers. The stormtroopers get out of there, especially when they see Boba drop in. Now they got two Mandalorians. And so the lore of the Mandalorian must precede them. The name of Mandalore precedes them because every time there's a couple of Mandalorians together, the stormtroopers are like, peace them out. They hop back on their transport. They're getting ready to go. Too much fire, too much firepower, taking too much. They get up out of there. They start to float off. And Boba drops his rangefinder and he does the damn thing. Takes them out. Boom, both ships gone. Hits one, the other one crashes in. Den's like, Great shot. A little humor. Bo was like, I was aiming for the other one. <laughs> Here is redemption arc number three for Boba Fett. This was decidedly a Boba Fett episode, obviously. But still in the service of the Mandalorian and the story. So it's still his show. But Boba's going through something right now. The Razor Crest sitting right there. A bolt comes out of nowhere, a massive explosion, boom. The Razor Crest is destroyed. Ah, oh, he just got it fixed. You guessed it, Moff Gideon's light cruiser is sitting just out of orbit. Well, actually, he's in orbit now. Blows up the Razor Crest, and he deploys the Dark Troopers, just as we all suspected. And these dudes are badass okay we don't get to see them a lot we don't get to really see them in a lot of action but they're here and uh we get to see them flying down toward the planet they've definitely got this sort of vader look to their to their helmets fully fully robotic warriors you know and this is one of two shots that looked very uh animation style it was it was kind of an illusion. Not that it looked fake, but it was kind of this really cool illusion to Clone Wars. Um, in just the way it was filmed, it looked like anime. It looked like uh, manga a little bit. Um, it was really really cool to see because they zoom in on face and then back out. They zoom in on his hand and one of them tightens his fist and back out. And they zoom in on the four and back out. It was just real cool shots borrowed straight 
from uh, animation. They land and they're going for the they're going for Baby Yoda. They're going for Grogu. Grogu is finally done with what he had to do at the Seeing Stone, and he was on there a lot. Who was he talking to? What signal was he sending? That's interesting. Um, he was on there too long for something not to be reached. That message went somewhere. This sort of Kyber force field. Think anybody's listening? I guarantee somebody heard that. How they show up remains to be seen. Maybe Ahsoka comes back. Maybe she's the one that answers the call. I don't know. That might be a far stretch, but it's worth thinking about. Okay, so the Dark Troopers land. There's no battle. They scoop in. They snatch him. Um, they have the high ground now. Hello there. And they zoom off. Boba is, uh, he hops in Slave 1 and he pursues. And, uh, but they don't want to hurt Baby Yoda. So, uh, Din Djarin's like, tell him don't. I don't want the child hurt. You know, he's back to dad mode. Lots of dad energy. Like, don't hurt the kid. Like, anything but that. So they got to let him go. But you could hear something in Boba's delivery. Uh, and Tamara Morrison did a great job this episode. You can hear something in the delivery when he goes, they're back. It's like, who's back? The Empire. And they're like, no, the Empire was destroyed. He's like, I'm looking at it right now. They're back. And you got to think, like, Boba's service to Vader and his service to the Empire is what got him killed. Um, and then there's lots of deep lore about what Boba went through over the years of being in service as a bounty hunter and his main patron was the evil empire. So he's feeling some kind of way when he sees this light cruiser. Um, this is the third level of Boba's redemption arc in this episode. He's got three concurrent redemption arcs going and we've already mentioned the others. This third one, is something that comes straight from the EU. Down the road in the EU, Boba Fett became Mandalore. He united his people and became a great leader. He even became an ally to Han Solo in his long arc of the stages of his life. You can kind of see that beginning here because the feeling that's conveyed is obviously some kind of regret. Very obviously. Some kind of regret and trepidation at, oh my God, these guys are back. I was laying low on Tatooine. I was just chilling with the sand people. I ditched the armor. I let Cobb have it. Like, I know Cobb had it. He was keeping it safe. And then I put my armor back on and these dudes show up. He's feeling some kind of way about that. Here's where that arc is complete for Boba in getting the armor back in showing his sort of patents his uh, lineage as a Mandalorian by culture if not by creed and Boba being the good guy Boba Fett was the most feared bounty hunter in the galaxy working for the Empire all this time, Boba was a bad guy. 
we see Boba now as a man of honor. He is going to honor his deal with Din Djarin and help save the kid. He says, we're with you until that kid is safely back with you. He's showing his lineage. He brings up his dad, Django. Um, Din Djarin gets to see his patents, his, his line of succession. And he says, this armor belongs to you. Your dad was a foundling, just like me. And so that's Boba as a good guy, starting that long trek where he befriends Solo. He becomes Mandalore in the EU. There's a different side to this guy. Um, and we wondered that when he came back, like, is he going to fight Din Djarin or is he going to be on the side of Din Djarin? Well, we got our answer. He's an ally. That's crazy. That's really deep. And, and again, they're bringing such good stuff back into the fold from the EU. Din is also learning something. By looking at this, and Boba had his, basically his chain, his DNA, is coded to this armor. He has proof that it's his, so Din Djarin can't argue with that, and he doesn't. He says, this armor belongs to you. Um, he never would have given that armor to a non-Mandalorian, but Boba had to go about proving that in a more real way and not so much in a rhetorical um, propaganda, um, cultish teachings sort of way. I found that really intriguing. That again, by the end of this episode, Din Djarin is more Mandalorian than he's ever been and he's slowly finding his people and he's interacting with them, with Boba, with Bo-Katan. He's interacting with Mandalorians who are such, but in different ways and by different means. Talk about a lesson. <laughs> Favreau and Rodriguez and uh, Filoni, they're weaving things into this that are culturally relevant right now without banging us over the head with them. It's dope. It's dope. Multicultured, multifaceted, um, honor, respect. You know, a lot of these things are woven in and it's super, super interesting. Um, what'd you guys think of the episode? Uh, comment, let me know. These are fun, man. These have been really, really fun. We got two more episodes left. I'm super excited about it. Um, there's plenty more that I'm sure I missed. But I don't want to make these too long. Um, so, yeah. Thanks for rocking with me. We'll keep doing them. All right. Talk to you soon. Peace.